Thanks, Daniel. It's uh, good to have you back. Welcome back. My name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here. And again, I'd like to welcome all of you here and, and let you know that we, we just pray that you experience God's presence during our time of worship together. We're glad that you're here with us this morning, especially if you're, if you're visiting with us. We're going to continue a series that we've kind of done off and on for a while on the book of Genesis. On the book of Genesis, we're calling this Beginnings. And we're up to that place in the book of Genesis where God calls Abraham, okay? Where God calls Abraham to be a people. God starts to form a family. We've looked at creation, how God created everything good, and then fall and then what we call universal history. And then now we come to this place where God says, all right, I'm going to work through this family. I'm going to work through this person and his faith, and he is going to be an example to the world of what it means to be my people, of what it means to follow me, to trust me, to live like me. And, and so we're going to study this summer the, the, the story of Abraham that we find in, in Genesis. It's Abraham and Abram. He starts as Abram, and we'll look at when the name gets changed when we get there, but I tend to call him Abraham more often. I'll try to remember he's Abram at this point. But he was called from Ur of the Chaldees, okay, over in this area right over here. And God's call, we said, was radical. God came to him, and, and, and Abram would not have been a God follower before God came to him, okay? He would have probably, like the other people in Ur, been worshipers of, a worshiper of multiple gods, um, probably the most important being the moon god, Nana. And, and so that's probably who he was worshiping, and then the true God, Yahweh, comes to him and says, I want you to leave this behind. I want you to let go of all this, and I want you to follow me. And it's a radical call. And we also saw that it's a call, and this is going to become important as we move through this, but it's a call, Paul, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a call powered by God's promises, all right? God said to Abraham, I want you to leave all this behind, but I want to promise you this. First of all, I will bless you. I, I will make your name great. I will make you into a great nation. I will take care of you. God promises that he will take care of Abram, And he also promises that he will use Abram, right? That all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And so God says, you know what? This is the promise. This is what I will do through you. And and Abram follows, right? Abram just goes on this journey and and he gets to this place. He gets into the promised land. And we see that he's full of faith. And God honors that. And God's... God, God makes the promise more specific, okay? And, and, and he does this in two ways, all right? And, and, and this is going to be so important for us to understand. The Lord appeared to Abram, Genesis 12, verse 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Those two things, all right? Offspring and land. All right? Those two things are going to be at the center of the rest of the Abraham story. God says, I'm going to give you these two things. I'm going to give you children and I'm going to give you land. And, and, and just to remind you, at this point in the story, Abram is 75 years old. His wife is 65 years old. She is barren, and, and she can't have kids, and so he doesn't have any kids. So this promise of children is kind of a crazy one, okay? This promise of children is one that you say, that's, that's kind of nuts. Is that really going to happen? Is that really going to work out? But God says, I will give you offspring, and I will give you this land. And at this point, Abram knows, owns none of it, all right? He just is there. And that leads to kind of the two key questions for the rest of the story of Abraham and really key questions for us. The first question that we have to ask about is this. Will God be faithful? I mean, is God going to be able to keep his promises? Is God going to do what God's going to say, he's, what God has said he's going to do? And, and I want to suggest that that is a key question for us. You know, when Daniel started off the service, he said, you know, we gather together, and in the light of the events of the, of the past week, the killing of innocent people in, in, in different ways, but in light of the events of the past week, we say, Jesus, come back. Jesus, is God going to make everything new? He's made that promise to us, but sometimes we have to ask ourselves, is it really going to happen? Is it really going to happen? Is God going to keep his promises? Can we trust him? And then the second question is, will Abram be faithful? <laughs> 
Is he going to be able to hold on to his faith when it doesn't seem like anything's happening? And again, that is the question for us so often. We pray and we pray and we pray, but little kids still get sick. We pray and we pray and we pray, and there is still so much unrest. We pray and we pray and we pray, and and we say, Jesus, you said you were coming back soon 2,000 years ago. And the question is, are we going to still be faithful? When, When things go wrong, when things go bad, will we say, God, I will still trust you? When it doesn't look like anything happens, I will say, God, I will still trust you. And more than anything else, God, I will seek your face. The temptation that Abraham faces, the temptation you and I face so often, I think, is to take matters into our own hands. It's to say, i got to get rid of this pain right now. i got to solve this problem right now. But so often what God does is God calls us to wait and to trust him and, and, and to know that he will do his thing in his time. And so we seek his face and we try to honor God with our lives in the meantime as we're waiting for God to act. So Abram gets into the land, all right? He's here in the land. And, 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 and last week we looked at the first challenge. I guess the first challenge could be that he left Ur. But the first challenge in the land, it was famine if you weren't here. Abram gets here and all of a sudden there's no food, all right? There's nothing to eat. And Abram has to say, what do I do? God's promised me the land. God's promised to take care of me. God's promised to bless me. And right now, we don't have any food to eat. What do I do? I don't know if I can trust him. And what we saw last week is that Abram doesn't say, God, I don't trust you. I'm going to go down to Egypt. But what Abram says is, God, I still trust you, but, but I'm going to compromise a little bit here. And I'm going to compromise a little bit here. And I'm going to compromise a little bit here. And before Abram knew it, he was down in the middle of Egypt. And, and Sarai was in Pharaoh's household. Abram was not so full of faith. At this point, the first challenge he faces in the land, he blows it, and he runs away down to Egypt, and the land is no longer, he's no longer in the land. And, and, and the offspring, if Sarah gets pregnant, it's going to be by Pharaoh. Oops. All of a sudden, all that stuff is just up in the air. Abram is stuck. God is not, and we saw last week that God, uh, he's not so full of faith, but God brings him back into the land, all right? And that brings us to what we're going to look at this week, all right? He is wealthier. <laughs> He's wealthier. He got richer in, in Egypt. But the question is, is he any wiser? Is he any more ready to trust in God? So in order to kind of look at what we're going to look at this week, we're going to focus in on that area that I just had boxed out there. We'll bring that up. And here Abram comes. He's coming from Egypt up to the Negev. We're told that he stops there, and then he makes his way kind of back and forth, stopping at various places, and he goes up to between Bethel and Ai. This is the first place Abram came to in the land. This is where God said that 12 verse 7, when he said, to your offspring I will give this land. It's at Bethel, okay? It's at this place. So Abram comes back to the beginning. He comes back to the beginning, and I think what he is symbolically saying, he, he worships the Lord here, and what he is symbolically saying is, God, I want to start over. I want to start over, God. I want to trust you better. I want to do this again. I want to, I, want to, I want to do this the right way. And now we come to the second challenge. Now we come to the second challenge. And this is a challenge that doesn't necessarily sound so difficult at first. But it's the challenge of prosperity. Abram's become rich. So is Lot. And the question is, how are they going to handle it? What's going to happen to this? Let's take a look. Now Lot who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. A real quick reminder on who Lot is. Lot is, um, he, he's been traveling with Abram. He is the nephew of Abram. Abram's brother, Haran, uh, was uh, Lot's father. Haran died when they were ba- way back in Ur of the Chaldees, okay? So for a long time, Uncle Abram has kind of been Lot's father. He's been walking around with him. They've traveled together. 
uh, Lot came through uh, Haran there, and he went down into the promised land. He went down into Egypt with Abram. He came back with Abram. All this, he's been walking, and he's been under the family. In, in that day and age, you've got to understand this. Everybody had to be part of a clan, and there was always one patriarch, one father, okay? And, and, and so he was under the patriarch of Abraham, okay? He's been a part of that, and he also got wealthy along the way. So we've got Abraham, and we've got Lot, and, and it's uncle and nephew, um, but one is really underneath the other, and they've got a whole lot of stuff, and it creates a problem. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. Now, any time in the Old Testament, any time in the Old Testament when you get something repeated, it's significant. What's repeated in this verse? They could not stay together, and they were not able to stay together. The author is telling us something. We're going to have a separation here, okay? This is not going to work for them to stay together. Tuck that in the back of your mind. We'll come back to it, all right? Just tuck that in. The author is telling us. Anytime that's repeated like that in the same verse that close, he's, this is the way they bolded stuff in a story, right? In an oral culture, this is how you bold it. You say they couldn't stay together because the land wouldn't sustain them, so they couldn't stay together. I mean, it's repeated just like that. And as you might guess, quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. Abram and Lot were not necessarily fighting, but their workers were. We want this land. No, we want this land. No, you had it yesterday. We get it today. (coughs) Excuse me. That's not fair. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So we have other groups around. And and so the question is, what's going to happen? What's Abram going to do? He faces another challenge, right? He faces another crisis. What, what's he going to do? And, and in this case, we're also going to ask, what will Lot do? Because Lot is kind of a contrast for Abram. All right, and so I got these two. What will they do in this situation? Abram steps up to the plate. Abram takes the first step. Verse 8, so Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives, okay? Let's not fight. Nice thing to say, smart thing to say, good thing to say, all right? It's not fight. And then he does this. He says, is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So Abram, interestingly, Abram interestingly says, you choose, Lot. You choose. If you go this way, I'll go that way. Whatever you don't want, I'll take second pick. You choose. Now, Abram could have demanded the first choice. In fact, that's what would be expected, right? I mean, he was the older person in that culture. That was huge. He's older than Lot. He's the one who's received the call, but he doesn't demand the first choice. He gives it to Lot. Now, this is one of those places where we kind of have to ask some interesting questions about how significant is that? Because on the one hand, I'm tempted to kind of say, you see, Abraham is just being gracious because he trusts in God, and so he doesn't worry about it. I think that's a little bit of it. But you need to understand, it could just as likely be, and maybe even more likely be, that in this culture, if you're going to negotiate with somebody, the more powerful one always comes first and says, you choose. And the complete understanding, any, any Bedouin who read this, any, anybody who, you know, from that culture who read this would say, Lot's job is to say, no, Uncle Abram, you choose. You choose. You, so it could be. You've got to be honest about this, okay, because we're not told. Abram might not be saying, oh, I'm going to be just nice to Lot and let Lot choose first so kids share your toys. No, Abram is expecting Lot to say, oh no, Uncle Abram, you're older, you got the call, you choose. But Lot doesn't. (laughs) Lot doesn't. Lot is like, really? I get to choose? Cool, cool. And and, and so he looks around. The next verse, verse 10. 
go back. Come on. There we go. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered. Okay, he looks and he says, this area is beautiful. It's well watered like the garden of the Lord, the garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt, like where they just had been, right? We talked about the Nile River last week and how that made Egypt so beautiful. It was the breadbasket of the world. And, and, and so Lot looks towards the plain of Jordan, all right? Looks towards the plain of Jordan and he says, that is gorgeous. That's what the the Garden of Eden was like. That's what Egypt was like. That was so awesome. They had so much food. Now, the, the author wants to say to us, and again, Moses says, you know, now, the people of Israel are following him. They're going to go into the land. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So it doesn't look like this today. <laughs> so, so, but, but, but at that time, it looked like this. So where is that, all right? Well, back to our map. Bethel and Ai, that's where Abram and Lot are. And um, this here is the Jordan River, okay, flowing down into the, what's called the Salt Sea, the Dead Sea now, all right, and it doesn't really flow out the south end, but, but this area that we call the Plains of Jordan, we don't know exactly what it is. Uh, most authors, uh, most Bible teachers would say it's kind of that whole area, right, the Jordan River in the middle of it and that around it. Um, does it go that far south? Yeah, a lot of people suggest it does. And the, in fact, what they suggest is that when, when Lot looked, what he looked is kind of to the south and, t- and mostly, uh, t- kind of to the east, but mostly to the south, rather. And he looked in this area, okay? And, and he was looking at this, and what he saw particularly was this area right here. And he said, that is awesome. That is awesome. But some people are suggesting, and, and this might be the case, and, and I think it's interesting, this is just the last few years, that he actually did look more to the east, that he actually looked more across this way, and that what he saw was in particular this area, okay? He saw that area there, and that's where he was looking. But here's what you need to understand. Whether it was that area or whether it was that area, the key thing is, is that it was well watered. It, it looked really, really good. Lot looked at that, and he said, I want it. I want it. So Lot chose for himself, verse 11, the whole plain of the Jordan, and set out toward the east. That's one of the reasons I like that higher area. The two men parted company. Two things to notice here, all right? He chose for himself. It's always a bad thing, (laughs) okay? That's always a bad thing. He didn't choose for his kids. He didn't choose for God. He didn't choose for Abram. He chose for himself, and we're going to learn and see that there are sometimes, not all the time, but a lot of times, bad consequences when we start to choose for ourselves, and Lot is going to end up in trouble, but he chose for himself. And then the other thing to notice is that this is where they part company. Remember I talked about they can't stay together, they can't stay together. This is where it ends up. They parted company. Who cares? All right, an uncle and a nephew, what's the big deal? Lot was never the main part of the story. Why is that significant, right? Breakups happen all the time. People separate, they go their separate ways. Here's why it's important, and you've got to stick with me on this one. And, and again, remember, what were the two promises? Land and children, Right? What this means by parting company, what this means by separating, is that Lot will not be Abram's heir. Okay? I, 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 the people of Israel who heard this story, the, 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 Abram himself would have had in the back of his mind, you know what Lot was? Lot was plan B. Lot was plan B. If Sarai couldn't get pregnant, then at least Lot was around and Lot could become the heir because Lot was close enough, right? You know, the grandpa was dad. I mean, there was, they had the same bloodlines. They had the same family lines. And, and so in the back of Abram's mind, in the back of Abram's mind, there was always this sense that at least Lot can be here. At least he can become my child. I can give him the land. He can have an inheritance. But, but like I said, you know, he's underneath, he's underneath Abraham. That's how those families work. But now Lot says, nope, I've got my own family. 
and he becomes the head of the clan over here. And by moving outside of Abraham's protection, by moving outside of that, what Lot does is Lot says, no, I'm not going to get that land. I don't want your inheritance. I want what I got for myself, okay? And that means that this is not something that, that Abram's going to be able to do. Okay, who cares? Why is that significant? What difference does it make? What you have to understand is how this leaves Abram a little more high and dry. <laughs> Abram, think about it. This guy's 75 years old. God says, you're going to have children. Okay, God, maybe it'll be Abram. I, I mean, at least I got a lot, right? Okay, maybe that's what God has in mind. And, and God, I, I think, and be really careful with this, but I think God does this sometimes. But I think what God is doing here at this point is God is knocking out plan Bs. God is knocking out the crutches, God is saying, Abram, I need you to trust in me. And so, so what I say is like this. Sometimes God needs to... Oh, hold on. There we go. We've got to go through this again. Sorry. Now, this thing seems to be jumping some. I don't know exactly where it is. There we go. Sorry about this. So Lot chose for himself. Two men parted company. Lot will not be Abram's heir. Here we are. This is what I wanted to show you. Stay there. Sometimes, sometimes God needs to let our crutches be removed so we learn to lean on him, okay? Like iPads. Maybe he'll make this one break. Sometimes God needs to remove our crutches so that we learn to lean on him, right? In a sense, what, what God wants to say to Abram, Abram, you're not desperate enough yet. You still think you can solve this problem on your own. You still think you can put something together, and I got to keep knocking away these crutches. What we're going to see, Abram's 78 right now, a 79, 80, something like this. Again, he's going to be 99, and she's still not pregnant. God is still saying, you're going to have a son. And, 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 and I think sometimes God does that, not because he wants to be cruel to us, not because he wants to take away our security, but because he wants us to find the right security. You see how that works? I mean, he wants to say, look, you've got to trust me, Abram. I'm going to take care of this. Don't think it's going to be Lot. And what we're going to see is Abram time and time again trying to find other ways to take matters into his own hands, trying to find other ways to solve the problem. And, and now God has just removed Lot from the equation. Or rather, Lot has removed himself from the equation. And now there's one less one less possibility. In, in a few weeks, we're going to listen, and, and Abram's going to say, Eliezer from Damascus is going to get this. He's not even a relative. God, I mean, so, so you see, in order for Abram to experience, as it were, no plan B, God has to let Lot go away. Think about that. Are there crutches in my life that sometimes God lets be removed? God, I don't like that. I, I, I like to have my plan B. I like to have my 401K. I like to have all these things lined up. But are there things that God says, you know what, you need to understand. My, your life is from me. It's my breath in your lungs. You sang it. Do you believe it? And, and sometimes, sometimes God is going to let our plan Bs get taken away. Let our crutches get taken away. Not because he's cruel, but because the problem is when we lean on a crutch, we're not leaning on God. When we're holding out for plan B, we're not leaning on God and trusting him in plan A. And, and, and so that's really the, the main thing that happens action-wise in this story is Abram and Lot separate, and Lot is no longer able to be an heir. All right. So Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. That's going to become important, okay? So, all right, here he is, uh, Bethel and Ai there, and Lot takes off. This is where he's going to go. He's going to go there. That's where Sodom is. And Lot begins the journey. 
all right? He begins the journey. He stops. He had to stop for at least a little bit. But I think it was huge because what happens next is, oops, once again, here's the Jordan River, right? That's the boundary marker for the land. When, when, when he goes again, he's now saying, I, I'm doing this on my own. He, he's leaving the land, okay? But he does. He leaves that. He leaves the land and he goes and he, he makes his camp. He pitches his tent near Sodom. Not in it, but he's near it. Let's stop here for a second, all right? Really, this is a great moment to think about because this is, I think, a situation we find ourselves so in so often. Lot sees the opportunities. I mean, they are. And, and, and it's not like these opportunities are necessarily sinful. They're not bad things. They're good things. He sees fertile land. God created the Garden of Eden. God likes fertile land. He sees trading partners, right? The city of Sodom was the biggest city in the area. All right, it's bigger. You have more opportunities to sell your products. You have more opportunities to trade with other people. And let's just face it, there's a lot of action. Okay, Sodom was a bigger city. I mean, it's, I mean, I know Grand Rapids isn't the greatest city in the world, but I mean, it beats McBain, right? I mean, at least we have some moving picture theaters here, right? And this thing called the internet, you know, I mean, right? And, 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 and so it's like, yeah, he sees the opportunities. But here's the problem. He never sees the dangers. At least he chooses not to see any of the dangers. Because, again, he's outside of the land right now. He, he, he just, it doesn't matter. I'm still, I'm still going to trust God. I'm still, but he's no longer in the land. He's no longer with Abram. He's no longer part of the family. And he's put himself next to a dangerous city. And, and the author says that the next verse. Look at this. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. Okay. So Lot moves in and he's right next door to Sodom. And again, think about it. He chose for himself. And he chose to raise his family next to a city that was full of wickedness. He didn't think about his family. He didn't think about He's got two girls. Didn't think about them. Didn't think about that when he, when he left. Bottom line is he didn't seek God's will. Okay. He, he didn't seek God's will. And, and that's where I want to ask, what about us? What about us? When we make those kind of decisions, when we think about that, I mean, what we have to ask, and again, I think about it in light of the events of last week, you know, say, okay, what do we got to do? We got to figure something out. And I feel that. I feel that sense of we, we, there's got to be something we can do. But it's so tempting to say, okay, what we got to do is figure out our plan. We got to do that. We got to take that. No, you know what we got to do is say, God, what do you want us to do? Is it time to repent? God, is it time to confess? Is it time to love? Is it time for grace? Is it time for justice? Where do, where do we speak, God? The first thing we do is not ask, you know, what do we do? First thing we do is, what does God want us to do? Lot asks, what's good for me? Abram's going to ask, God, what do you want me to do? And, and, and so often we have that. Think about that with jobs. You know, there can be jobs that offer you great opportunities. There are. There can be jobs that offer you great opportunities, but you've got to look at the dangers. What's it going to do to your kids? You might make three times as much money, but if you're never home with the kids, what did you just cost them? You know, you might say, it's awesome, we get to live in this city and there's all this action. Okay, but can you handle the action? Can you handle that? We've got to make sure. So often we're like Lot. So often we're like Lot and, and, and we just see the possibilities. And those things aren't necessarily evil, okay? Again, fertile land isn't evil. Sodom was evil, but he wasn't in Sodom, right? He was just near it. There were good things in Sodom, too. But so often we see those opportunities, but we don't make ourselves look at the dangers. This investment's going to make a lot of money. 
yeah, but is it, is it right? I don't know, it'll make a lot of money. I'll give tenth of it to the Lord. 20% if you make it really profitable, God. Let's slow down and ask what about God. Lot just chooses for himself. Lot chooses for himself, and we're going to see that it's disastrous. Not this morning, but later on. So Lot chooses what he wants, and Abram puts things in God's hands. Interesting, the only thing Abram says in this whole passage, in this whole chapter, is he says, Lot, you choose. Lot, you choose. And like I say, he might have been expecting Lot to come back. But either way, he was okay with saying, all right, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Even if Lot doesn't do the right thing, I'm going to trust you. The Lord said to Abram, he honors this. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are, to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. Lot immediately only looked to the east, but Abram is invited to look around, all the way around. And he gets a 360 view. And he says, okay, God, I see that. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. Oh, just a minute. Did you notice all the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever? Those two things. I promise you this. And now he again deepens the promise. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. I mean, you're going to have more kids. And again, it's like, seriously? Could we just start with one? I don't need a dust full. I just need one. Can we start with that? I'm 80 years old, God. I promise you this. It's going to be more than you could count. Go walk through the land, through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you, okay? The promise is made new again. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord, all right? So he goes from Bethel and Ai. First of all, we've got Lot goes this way. He crosses the Jordan River. He goes by Sodom. Adam, or excuse me, Abram, he's going to head south here, all right? He's going to head south, and he's going to make his way over about this area to Hebron. And he's going to worship the Lord there, all right? He's going to pray to God there. So what do we have? Think about this. Again, I think this is so important because we just say, okay, I got this story. Let's go on to the next one. Just stop. What does Abram have now? He's got a repeat of the promise. Heard that before. Heard that a little deeper. Now so many of them. But a repeat of the promise. Still no land and still no child. And, and that's where I think we miss something in these stories. Because Abram, if anything, is worse off right now. He's got, Lot is gone. He doesn't have plan B anymore. Abram, is, all he's got is God saying, I'm going to do this. Really, I am going to do this. And Abram is saying, okay, God, I'm trying to trust you, but I don't see anything happening. And I want to suggest, again, in some ways, in light of the events of the last week, Maybe the first thing we need to do is just stop and wait and be patient and pray and say, God, what do you want us to do? We are so bad at that. We are so bad at that. There are so many voices online. There are so many places that are saying, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. And I know there are times for action. I'm not saying we just sit around forever. But I do want to make sure that our first question is not, what looks good to me? But our first question is, God, what are you calling us to do? And, and God, I know you're going to send Jesus and make all things new. I know you're going to end these, these conflicts. I know you're going to end these things. But God, come, Lord Jesus. We are just waiting and waiting and waiting. In the meantime, we will try to honor you with our lives. Abram is there. And again, 
this is, he's got another 20 years of waiting. 20 years, not 20 weeks, not 20 days, not 20 hours. 20 years of waiting. Can we just learn to be people who come before God and say, God, I will be your person in this place. But more than anything else, I want to know what that means. So I seek your face, God. And I pray and I ask you to make clear what we ought to be doing, what it means to love in this situation. I don't know what challenge you're facing. Again, sickness at home, whatever it is, relationship difficulties. But make it your first question. What does God want me to do? Let's wrap this up, all right? What do we learn? Again, just three things I want to draw out. I've mentioned them already, but sometimes God needs to let our crutches be removed so we learn to lean on him. It's not fun, <laughs> but sometimes God says, I've got to take those things away so that you know that I am the one who gives you life, that I am the one who gives you breath. We're called to live by faith, not by sight. And, and, and part of what we need to recognize is that what looks good to us What looks good to us is not always the right thing, okay? Look for the dangers. Lot never did that. Think about the bigger picture. Don't just say, yep, this is a great deal. I'm grabbing onto it. Say, what's the long term? What does God want from me long term, all right? So so what looks good to us isn't always best for us. And then, see, this thing is going a little wacky here. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need this. We're called to live by faith, not by sight. You see, maybe I should have left it black. Um... And then God keeps his promises on his time, not on ours. That, that point of patience, that point of, of saying, God, i got to trust you. All right, so those, those three things. Say, God, if you need to remove a crutch, then do that so that I learn to trust in you. And God, teach me not to just look at what looks good on the surface. And, and God, more than anything else, I want to trust you because you're going to keep your promises. But it's not on our time. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you for this story. There's not a lot that happens. Just two guys separate and go their different ways. And yet it happens in our lives over and over again. We are confronted with situations that are challenges, that are difficult. So often, Lord, there's a solution that seems right to us. There's a solution that seems quick, that seems easy. And everybody's saying, this is what you've got to do. Take the best land. Take care of yourself. Watch out for number one. And yet you call us to slow down and to seek your face. So, Lord, in our workplaces, we pray that we can do that. Where we're challenged with difficulties, Lord, teach us first to seek your face. In our homes, wherever there is conflict, teach us first to seek your face. In our neighborhoods and in our nation and in our world, Father. Before we jump to our solutions, Lord, let us listen for your voice so that we might be where you want us to be. And Lord, give us patience. Give us patience to trust you when your promises seem slow in coming because sometimes they do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Will you please stand to receive God's parting word of benediction? Once again, following our service, there are going to be some folks from Hillside in the prayer room to that side of the auditorium. If you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with somebody, they'll be uh, happy to meet with you. People of God, as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ goes with each and every one of us, that he does. He's never going to let us go, and all things are going to be made new. And wait patiently for God to lead where God's going to lead. Amen.